Elaine. Hello. I've got a question for you. Excellent. Give me your question. What's more disappointing, mm-hmm. the Strictly lineup for this year or the All In lineup for this year? Well, I'm, I'm, you're, you're, you're forgetting that the All In lineup for this year, which I think is a reference to wrestling, does not contain the one, the only, my beloved, the love of my life, my childhood hero, Les Dennis. So it's all in for you then. <laughs> yes. What is all in, Mark? Explain to our beautiful listeners what all in is. I'll do it briefly because I know that we're on the clock tonight. <laughs> all Elite Wrestling was is the second biggest wrestling organization in USA and probably the world. With WWE being the first. Yes. Yeah. It was set up a few years ago by a few people who'd made it big on the indies. Someone who used to be in WWE and is now back in WWE in Cody Rhodes. This is all very confusing. Yeah. They're a smaller promotion, you know, like they're challenging and they're I think a lot of fans who feel let down by the 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 direction WWE has taken went to them because they have it's an exciting new brand. They've never left North America and they decided to announce that they were coming to London. And everyone thought, oh, that's, that'd be good, you know. That'd be nice, yeah. It's owned by the people who own Fulham Stadium, so they thought, well, maybe they'll push for the for uh, Craven Cottage. Sorry, so it, it's owned by the people who own Fulham, Fulham Football Club. Fulham Football yeah. Club. I the didn't Cairns, know that. yeah. Right? Uh, they also own the Jacksonville Jaguars. They are, bil- I mean, you know. I shrug my shoulders. That's an American football team. To be clear, they are very rich. They are billionaires. Okay, so you thought they might go to football. Um, yeah. Fulham Stadium. Yeah, and that would be the biggest show they've ever done. They announced they'd booked Wembley Stadium. Mm. So everyone went, hang on, what? Um, it's testament to the, the brand that they have created and through the wrestling um, the wrestling bubble that this show is going to be... It's almost certainly the most tickets ever sold for a wrestling show. And What, in the world yes. or in the UK? No, ever. Oh, right. Yeah. Maybe not ever, but yeah. I thought, like, surely WWE and the, um, what's that thing you went to? WrestleMania. WrestleMania. Yeah. Surely that's like, because that's huge, isn't it? I mean, I saw the yeah. photos many times. So there was one massive WrestleMania that was WrestleMania 32, I think that was 2016. I mean, yeah. Who <laughs> think cares? Yeah. Um, and that was attended by. Uh, 80,700 um, right. people there is a chance that they will break that they've, because the capacity of yeah. Wembley is bigger so, so they've sold more tickets remember. already right. oh, okay. more tickets have been distributed already okay okay um, yeah there are two events that took place in the mid 90s in North Korea which were attended by 150,000 people each night. Okay. We don't really class them because a lot mm. of people weren't there mm. through their own choice and probably didn't. Oh, yes. Right. Oh, yeah. No. Um. So, what's the capacity? Sorry, I'm going to ask you this question. You may not know. But what's the capacity at Wembley Stadium? Well, I mean, a lot. A lot. It depends how you <laughs> set lot. it up because you put a stage in, you put people on the pitch, yeah. so it's more than it is for football. For right. Okay. I think in theory you could probably get up to ninety thousand. Okay. Um. Well. Or you probably sneak in a few. No more. idea. I thought you were going to. I knew it was at Wembley, um, because you're you're going to this. Yes, I'm going to this. You're going to this event. Um, I knew it was at Wembley, but I just kind of felt like you might have quite a bit of the seating maybe empty or rearranging the seating in some way. When I you booked know? for tickets, mm. I thought that too. Um, I've been proven to be wrong. Mm. I mean, look, I'm I'm not. I'm more. I'm more tend towards WWE than AEW. According to a lot of people online, that means I should hate AEW because we have to be tribal about these things as wrestling fans. Oh, okay. But yeah, it's um, yeah, it's really exciting. Um, apart from the card. Yeah, and going, I was about to say, let's go back to your original question because you were um, comparing the Strictly lineup for 2023, which has just been announced, with this event that you're going to. So you're, yeah, you're yeah. you're not impressed with who you're going to see. How it seems to me is. Um, the owner, Tony Khan, booked this six months ago. So he's had this all lined up and he's known the open day ticket sales were really high. So when you opening day, there was probably 50,000 plus and they've gradually gone up bit by bit. I think a lot of people, it's obviously front loaded because a lot of people were really excited. 
And it seems like he got to August and went, fucking hell, I've got a show to run in Wembley Stadium. I feel what like that I in do? my day to day Yeah, life. yeah, yeah. I mean, no, this isn't true because you done. Because no, you would I have do. had this planned out. Well, yes, but still, I would. <laughs> you have this planned out like... the day after because mm, I know you work. Yeah. I do this all the time. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, that's how it seems. I mean, the top match is MJF, who's their champion, versus Adam Cole. That. That match, and I know the name Adam Cole because yes. I think he was in WWE. He was in he? NXT. Oh, yes, yeah, right. but yeah, which but is that, part of WWE. Thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. That match, I mean, that's that's quite exciting. They're in a good program. It's a little bit comedy for what I would consider like the top match for me. The stuff they've been doing, but that match was on free TV a couple of months ago as part of the program. So that's a little bit disappointing. The other, they've now got two world championships for reasons with CM Punk versus Samoa Joe. That was match was on TV last month. Um, the they have some really exciting wrestlers, but they've kind of put them all together in six man tags and things like that. Rather than you want, I think this this could really feel like something, and there the will be a big crowd. It'll be excellent atmosphere, but I think a lot of people going just expected a little bit more. This to be an absolutely memorable card for every reason, whereas this feels like. AW, for reasons which I'm not entirely sure of, have another big show the week after. And in some ways, it's kind of like, it feels like almost a little bit of a pre-show for that. Mm. It's like, do you want to do it in front of 70,000 people? Or do you want to set up things for the week after? A lot of people have said this online and been told, shut up, it's a great card. (laughs) And it is, but it's not that WrestleMania level, everything's been building up to this card. Um there is a wrestling match which oh god you're gonna roll your eyes now I've rolled my eyes already it's yeah okay. so um, Sting and Darby <laughs> Allen, not that Sting go on please don't be that Sting <laughs> I'll be so excited if it was that Sting dressed up um, from the original Dune um, with his nappy on I'd be very excited that could be like his wrestling sort of gimmick with you know dressed up as Dune Sting yeah carry, on. carry on come on yeah you can carry on Versus Swerve Strickland and AR Fox. Right. Yeah. 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 Can I roll my eyes again? <laughs> okay. Do you remember at the beginning of this conversation before we came on the podcast where we said we wouldn't spend very much time talking about the wrestling because no one cared? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I care though. I'm thinking about I, that right I'm now. I'm starting. <laughs> but they're, they're doing two thirds of that match this weekend. So it's Darby Allen and another guy, Nick Wayne, versus Swerve Strickland and AR Fox. It's like you could have done something and I feel I feel next time they will not get anywhere near 70,000 because I think a lot of people really expected this to be a, a big thing I know people who are flying in from America to go to see this yeah. um, but yeah uh, it'll be a great show it's yeah. almost impossible for them not to do a great show given the uh, roster and card and the crowd will be amazing but it does feel like a missed opportunity mm. Much like the Strictly Come Dancing lineup, I think you're going to uh, you're going to say there's a big Venn diagram between wrestling and Strictly. Oh, I think so. I'm pretty sure. I think so. I think every week we should come back on and have a wrestling versus Strictly chat. So, so aside can, from, can you remember anyone who's in the Strictly lineup? Because I'm really struggling. Apart from, you know, the greatest of all time. Well, I do because I've got it in front of me. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wonder what you were doing. Right, come on then. I know there are. Um, soapy people, so met various men from soaps, including I think Dirty Den's son from EastEnders, which shows my age. Nigel Harmon. Yes. Nigel Harmon also played the king in um, Shrek. It on the on stage, you know, in the musical Shrek. I'm sure you know he played. Oh, Lord Farquhar. That's it. Not the king. I'm sure he played that role. That's another random fact that I know about Nigel Harmon. Anyway, people are saying they think he'll do very well because okay. of his musical theatre background. Uh, Zara McDermott, who's probably from Love Island. Nope. Amanda Abingdon. Yes. Abington. Abingdon. Abingdon. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Of Sherlock fame. Angela Rippon turning up for the first week and then going. Oh, no, I think, I think there's... A lot of love for Angela Rippon. I think because I mean, you know her Morecambe and Wise routine. I, I think she's she's been dancing for a very long time. I think she'll do really really well. Why are you I looking bet, at me? I for bet you? you she's at week one. No, I don't. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll accept that bet. Yeah. I accept that bet. Ch- a little yeah, gentleman's Tempe. bet. Lytton <laughs> uh, Williams, who is from everybody's talking about Jamie, who will do really well. Yeah, 
Christian Guru Murphy from John Craven's News Round. I forgot that he was on. That's a bit of a funny turn for him, isn't it? Given that he's, do, you know, now I know what you're referring to, but he's on Channel 4 now as a, yeah. a very serious report and has been for a long time, very serious reporter. So that it's a bit of a move for him. Yeah. You know what? He's, I'm thinking he's still like 25, but he's not, is no, he? No, he's not. He, he's 53. God. Eddie Caddy, who's a comedian who I like, but... Mm-hmm. We saw him on Richard Osman's House of Games, didn't we? Yes. I think it was a repeat that we watched, but yeah, we saw him a few weeks ago on, on that, and we liked him. Adam Thomas, who's in Emmerdale, and I mean. Coronation Street. Soap yeah. star boys. Um, Nikita Candy, who's from the BBC Asian Network. Ellie Leach, who played Faye Windass in Coronation Street. For 12 this years, I mean. never heard. Well, we're not we're not the right demographic, are we? Uh, Jodie Cundy, who's a Paralympian. And Bobby Brazier, who was in EastEnders. Well, I mean, people will know him for EastEnders, but I know him as Jade Goody's son. I mean, I okay. remember when Jade Goody was pregnant with Bobby. Mm. That's Yeah, our, our frames of reference are very different to people who are a lot younger. <laughs> Annabelle Croft? Yes, getting a, yeah, getting a second mention in a row on a I'm podcast. Exci- from I'm us. excited about Annabelle Cry. I think that'll be brilliant. And c- just imagine for the comedy ones, they'll be putting her in like treasure hunt type. Well, why um, aren't they bringing back the Interceptor? Oh, please stop going on about that. Um, for for anyone at home, listen to our last podcast for Mark's Annabelle Croft madness. I think it was in the spoiler section for oh, whatever was it? Okay. we're doing, so it's probably <laughs> hidden away. And. You've got Les Dennis. Obviously Les. I've got Angela Scanlon. Yep, that's it. I love Angela Scanlon. Well, I love Les Dennis. And he loves me too. Just to put You have a picture where he signed it, love Les. Yeah, so when I was a child... (laughs) All good stories start this way. Yes, when I was a child, I went to see Les perform. This was in the... It's either the, the late 80s or the early 90s. I think it's the late 80s. I went to see Les perform and... I loved him so much, I wrote to him. And he sent me a signed photo back. A signed photo which I still have to this day. And on it, it says, To Elaine, love Les Dennis. And I think... (laughs) I mean, you can get very deeply psychological into this, can't you? But when I was a kid, I just thought he, he, like... Not in a romantic way... But Les Dennis loves me. Like, Les Dennis has said that he, like, likes me as a person. And you've been taking things people say literally ever since. <laughs> yes, that's true. It is, isn't it? God, I never thought about that. I did, yes. It, maybe that's where it all should have um, been sort of found out by the medical profession. Maybe if someone had picked it up at that age, a lot of uh, medical diagnoses would be, would be safe. But... Um, yeah, I, I, genuinely, in my child's brain, like, I can tap into being that age. I genuinely think that, like, he not professed his love, not in like that, but I genuinely think, like, to me, he gave me a really lovely gift. Like, I know this sounds mad. I really do. I really hope he never, ever listens to it. I mean, he's not going to, is he? But he, he gave me this gift of, like... Imagine I, if he did. Yeah, but I, like, went through all my life just thinking oh Les Dennis really likes me when you say all your life you do realise this was something that you probably just shat out in between um, I mean it's one of those those photos with like his management on the bottom and everything but since that time I have followed Les's career and um, I've always been really sad when he's sad and happy when he's happy and I, I would never want to meet him in person because, like, you can't meet your heroes, can you? And I'm a little bit nervous about him being, like, on my television screen he's, he every week. He seems like a nice guy he's, whenever I he's think he's interviewed. a genuinely nice guy with a lovely family. And I, I just think he's... I think it'll really... If I take away the fact that my To Elaine Love Less Dennis picture is upstairs under, under, my, under the bed... Um, where it can Wait, rain, where it can radiate up into my brain. Um, I sleep in that bed too. Yeah, no, well, you've also got the love of Les Dennis. Um, if you take that all away, I genuinely I mean he's a comedian. He's he's done a lot of theatre. He's done a lot, and I I think he's in with a good chance. And 
people that do not have all of my Les Dennis baggage have said that he is a dark horse to win. So I, I'm going to put bet on. Really? Yeah, genuinely. I'm going to put bet on for, for Les to win. I'm just going to check Are the you odds. looking up how yeah. much the odds are? Have you ever told you the only autograph I have ever sought? Have you ever told you that story? No. So when I was, oh, I want to say like seven or eight, I went down to London with um, our local Cub Scout troop. Stopped in Baden-Powell House. No idea where that is. No, but... no neither do I. Yeah, I've got a story about that, but I don't think it's one for the podcast. Okay, oh, well, that's great. <laughs> but we went to the Tower of London. Got Lovely. like We all got a little guidebook thing. And then we went on a riverboat. And on the riverboat was a guy who just joined Home and Away. Oh. Um, and he was a character who was a runner uh, who Al Stewart was mentoring. And he turned to drugs to help him oh, wow. get by. Yeah. And I think Alfred as would happen, talked him out of it and um, he'd gone on and probably won the race because that's what happens. And we saw him and he was in London with his parents on this riverboat. He was on the boat? Yeah. And he signed all the Cubs' Tower of London guidebooks, which must be weird. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> like, can you imagine that? Like, you're just in London and so you signed loads of Tower of London guidebooks. Came back home, he'd been written out the show. Oh no! <laughs> he was only in it for a couple of oh, weeks, that's but so uh, sad. yeah. And there he is, just signing things, and then his career's you know waned. That I mean, I mean, who knows? It's probably like Russell Crowe. <laughs> yeah, no, I was thinking that. Normally, you get like random people who then turn up to be superstars afterwards, don't you? I'd love to. Um, yeah, I'd love to know. I'd love to know what he's who he is well, now. We're gonna sit one night and we're gonna look him up. I'm gonna do it the second we finish this podcast. <laughs> anyway, what's Les's odds? Um, I'm just trying to find that now. But you've been trying to find it for a while. Is it I've really also been difficult? telling a story. I so. know, but you have been looking at your phone whilst telling the story. So, um, so Les Dennis is joint second to last <gasps> favourite. What? No. Who's yeah. favourite? Uh, favourite is Bobby Brazier. Okay. Interesting. At four to one. Wow. Les Dennis is 50 to one. 50 to one. Well, that would be a good return. How much are you going to put on? I don't know, two pounds each way. <laughs> the only betting I do is with the. Do you know the who the National. outsider is? Um. Oh, outside. What? What do you mean by outsider? So, like the the long shot, like the longest, some of the longest odds. Um, Annabelle Croft. Uh, no, she's quite high. She's four, she? sixteen to one. I don't really remember all of the people. It, no, me neither. It's Krishnan Guru Murphy at hundred um, to one. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wonderful. Shall we get on with talking about some television we've been watching? Um, can we do films first? Because you haven't got any films. No, that's true. So I'll just fire through. I've got three. Okay. Um, but I can do them really quickly and then we Fa- can talk We talk about TV shows. I mean, we did say that this was going to be a really quick podcast and we've spent probably about half an hour talking about wrestling and Les Dennis. So might as These well. These are a few of our favourite <laughs> things. Saturday night at the movies Who cares what picture you see Films. Films. Three films from you. Three films really quickly. Mm-hmm. I'm going to time myself. Okay. So, uh, yeah. uh, first one is The Clone to Tyrone. Right. Have you heard of this film? I have heard of this film. Okay. Yes, right. I have. Normally when I do these things, you go, I just go, what? And then that. look off into the distance and wait for you to finish. But yes, I have heard of The Clone Tyrone, but I don't really know very much about it. So will you set up the premise for me? Yeah. So imagine Stranger Things, mm-hmm. but instead of it being a 80s teen movie premise, it is, it's set in modern day, but the stylization is very much a 70s black exploitation. Oh, okay. So, a bit like Stranger Things, it's set now, but the styling is of another era. Uh, I mean, Stranger Things isn't set now. Stranger Things is set in the 80s. Oh, isn't no, it, it is, isn't it? Yeah. Right, okay. But you're saying in this film, so this is very overcomplicated. The thing I would, it's, so imagine it's, it's sex now. education, how right, it's right. set now and people have got cell phones that, and that's a better like comparison smartphones. Than yes, it is, yeah. <laughs> but it very much looks like the 80s. Yeah, okay, yeah. right, I got you. It looks, like, looks the like the 70s, but people have. Yeah. Yeah. 
So it stars John Boyega, Fontaine. Oh, well, lovely. Who is a drug dealer. We love John Boyega. He goes to pay a visit to Jamie Foxx, who is a pimp called Slick Charles. Of course he is. And one of his girls, who is Tiana Paris. Do you know her? No. Yeah, you, well, you do. Name <laughs> rings a bell, but I can't quite... Yeah, so she plays the um, agent in... Um, in um, One Division. One Division. Yes. yes. Yeah. 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 Oh, she's great. Yeah. So she was in Candyman. She was in If Beale Street Could yes, Talk. Of course, she was in Candyman. Yeah. yeah. yeah I love that film. Um, they he John Boyega's character is after some money that Slick Charles owes him. He gets some money, goes outside, and is shot up by a rival drug dealer. The next day, John Boyega walks around, goes around to. Slick Charles' house and and they're like you were shot and killed yesterday what's happening and they go and investigate shit um, this is a lot of fun like I don't think the sci-fi premise necessarily works beyond that it's like a bit like a Black Mirror episode mm, yeah kind of but there's, there's no sort there's less of a sort of moral and right. yeah it's just sci-fi just yeah. straightforward sci-fi the three leads are excellent really good interaction with each other you know how in Doctor Who sometimes the sci-fi is kind of like it's a bit oh it's a bit timey wimey. Yeah. This is a bit sci-fi wifey. Okay. In that stuff happens and you're like I'm not sure that makes any sense. But I really enjoyed this. It's on Netflix. It's worth a watch. I think it's a couple of hours, under two hours long. And yeah, it. I mean, it's violent. It's very sweary. It's it's a fitting of a film that stars a drug dealer and a pimp, and um, a sex worker. But yeah, I really enjoyed this. It, it's a lot of fun. And um, yeah, it's definitely worth checking out. Next one, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles <laughs> Mutant Mayhem. Heroes in a half show. Turtle power. This could almost be by the same people <laughs> as Spider-Man Spider-Verse films because it's very stylized animation. It is very meta you you know exactly what you're going to get when you go into it. But this is a lot of fun. I mean, do you know much about this at all? I, I saw the trailer for it and I was a little bit taken aback because the the animation, like you say, is almost like, and I know it isn't, but it's almost like claymation in that the edit, you can see the edits. Do you yes. know what I mean by that? Yeah. Like, it feels... Like, like the screen is moving. Yeah, you can um, see the scratches on the screen, yeah. I think, is... And pro- just yeah. the way that the the people well the turtles move the movement just and it it kind of threw me a little bit because i am so used to the 90s turtles films which we watched one do you remember we watched um teenage mutant hero turtles um one christmas i was putting up the christmas tree and we had it on in the background it might have been secret of the ooze you know the sequel no because i've never seen that well, we, we were definitely watching one. You were sat on the sofa because you do not engage in putting the things on the on the Christmas tree. And I was putting the things on the Christmas tree. And we had it on in the back. I remember thinking, oh, this is Jess, April O'Neil. And, you know, so my brain, like that night, you know, with the man, like in his suit dressed as a rat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that I, that's what I'm thinking of rather than this very stylized animation. So that it's difficult for me to sort of get over that, I think. Okay. I mean, this is... The big thing about this is, for the first time ever, I think the turtles feel like teenagers. Um, And teenagers who don't quite understand the world. um, They don't understand why they have to live in the sewers. They just want to be normal high school kids. And there's a lot of sort of dream sequences around that. Sorry? Eat pizza. Yes, eat pizza. Yeah. Yeah. They've got teenagers to voice the turtles, haven't they? Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. usually it is just blokes in a suit, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, can't do that on an animation, hun. <laughs> no, but, no. Uh, yeah, but you know what I mean. Yeah. I mean, there is, this uses a wide range of apparently the wider cast of characters that are around um, the turtles. So not just Splinter and Shredder and April O'Neil, which are the three that I know. I'm very proud of. So, sh- so Shredder is not the main villain in this. Oh, but he's the buddy. Well, he's got the face thing. I mean, stick around during the credits. A bit but, of a yeah. bit of a cape going on. <laughs> okay. Um, April O'Neil is a high school girl in this. Oh. Um, which, does, she, does she work for the for the paper? The she, school paper. She is an aspiring journalist yes. for the school paper. She's played by Ayo Ad- Adibri, um, who is from the Bear, who is excellent. Um, she plays 
she plays Sydney in the bear and ex really awesome um presence both in the bear and in this. Um it's but yeah, I mean the cast of characters for these there is such a wide range of mutants that they meet. Uh, it's this is Seth Rogen's film and he has just got all his mates to come in. So Maya Rudolph, John Cena, Rose Byrne, Natasha Dimitriou, Giancarlo Esposito. Oh lovely. Paul Rudd appeared. Oh, God, of course yeah. he does. I He's mean, everywhere. Yeah. I mean, and Not Splinter, uh-huh. played by Jackie Chan. Mate. Well, that is brilliant. I yes. do like that. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. Yeah, I mean, for me, when it got to the plot of them fighting the bad guys, I kind of iffy on it. But when they are just being teenagers and hanging around, I lots of fun really enjoyed it um it's a real recommendation from me i've really enjoyed it um is it i, I suspect it's quite a short film i think it's only 90 minutes yeah. uh let me oh, well, check that. Well. yeah yeah uh th- one hour 39 okay. so yeah and i've heard good things across the board yeah i mean it, it's a good film it's mm-hmm. a really really good film final film joyride oh yes sorry i had a moment there because i was singing roxette's Hello, you fool. I love you. Come and join the joyride. I mean, we did that um, a lot. During... I know, but I remember now because you specifically went to an independent cinema to see this. No, I didn't. Yeah, you did. No, I didn't. Did you go to one of the... Oh, you went to one of the big commercials. Yes. But you went into a funny screen. Yeah. Because it was... Because this is not a film that's been shown everywhere, is it? So... No, I think it is. It? Yes. I thought this was like a real one of those indie films that no one gets to see no 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 okay, you're thinking of you're thinking of something else i know right, what you're on, thinking yeah, okay so this is um a asian centric female fronted comedy think an equivalent of bridesmaids okay. for example um and it is about ashley park who is a adoptee from china who's been adopted by a white family in america um who's friends with sherry curler's character who is a someone who was born in china but moved to the USA at an early age. They become friends as the only, Chi- uh, the only Chinese kids in the in the area. Grow up together. Um, Ashley Park becomes a high flying lawyer. Sherry Cola is an artist who lives in uh, the shed at the back of Ashley Park's house, and so they are ma- dis- friendship friends at a different part- stage of their life. Uh, Ashley Park has to go to China on a um, business trip and takes Sherry Culler with her and hilarity ensues. Um, out there they meet her friend, uh, a college roommate who is now an actress in China who's played by Stephanie Sue. Ah, I know Stephanie Sue. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and they take uh, Sherry Culler's cousin with her who is played by Sabrina Wu. None of these actresses apart from Stephanie Sue are people who I'm overly familiar with but this is a lovely film. Like anything, like Bridesmaids. You've seen Bridesmaids. Yeah. Um, you've seen Superbad. You know, these cool. yeah, th- these comedies. There is, there is heartfelt moments. And I will say that within 30 seconds of this film, I was in absolute floods of tears. Oh, yeah. There is something where you think it's going to be a different way. And mm. it absolutely broke my heart, the, the opening of this film. Um, and all the way through, like, and just the characters interacting with each other are so much, so much fun. Where this film didn't work for me is the big set pieces of where, which where you're meant to get the whole cinema crying, laughing. Like, think the um, wedding dress fitting in Bridesmaids. Yeah, okay. A lot of that was just, oh yeah, okay, um, yeah. Everyone else in the cinema really laughing, so this might be a personal thing for me. Mm-hmm. But it seems like it was cut really weirdly. It's a 90-minute film. It's like, I think it's maybe 94 minutes. So they've cut this to shit. Um, and so things just kind of end at certain points. And I'm like, I, I thought there was going to be an exit from this joke, but it just, you smash cut something else. This were places I did not see come in. Um, people appear in this who I did not see come in and like, almost gave out a little cheer when I when they arrived. The thing that doesn't work for me is there is a lot of tropes that are hit upon. Like, there is a trope between Ashley Park and Stephanie Sue's character 
potentially going to live together in a different city to, I think they live in Seattle originally, and that might leave her and Cherry Cole's character behind. That's just straight out of super bad. Like, absolutely. That is that is cut and paste from three characters in Superbad. Um, but this is a four-star comedy. It's the probably the best comedy I've seen all year. Um, I just wish that the big set pieces worked for me. But yeah, it's, I, I, I think you would have a lot of fun with this. Yeah, it sounds like it. When it comes on to the streaming services, I'd definitely yeah. give, it a, give it a whirl. You know me in comedy, we are not happy bedfellows. But from what you're you're saying, I think the fact that this is um, women's stories, um, you've got that that plot point of the adoption mm. um, and going back to China. You know, all of those things. I think will really add some different. You 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 get those standard comedies, and I just sort of roll my eyes of women in New York, and I just sound like I don't need to see women in New York anymore. I think that adds a different dimension. So I would be interested in in watching this and seeing if I laugh at all. Yeah, which is uh, unlikely for me yeah. and all comedies. Yeah, there, there are things that don't work about it, but I think the eighty percent of this is brilliant, mm-hmm. and there is just a little, yeah, little things around the edge which which don't work for me. But yeah, um, yeah. I've done all my films in 15 minutes. That's amazing. I can't believe that's actually happened. <laughs> I was thinking we were going to be here for 45 minutes and then I would have to go, right, well, we need to stop now because we just chat on. No. Let's see what we do with TV. Okay. Watching television, watching television. So in TV, I have got one programme and that is Becoming Elizabeth. Were you going to say something? I was going to say, I thought this was a brand new programme. But you were watching it the other day mm. and it, it it said like season three. Yeah, something weird has happened on Sky where it's just popped up randomly with like season one and all the episodes. And then season three with a random like lay on episode. So something has happened in the Sky system. So is this not a new programme? Right, okay. Well, it's got a funny background to it. Do you not remember about a year ago, I said, and I think I put out a tweet about it saying, oh, there's this amazing new programme called Becoming Elizabeth. It's, it's produced by Stars, which is not normally a sort of a, um, uh, what do you call it? And, um, it's not the, not, not the benchmark of quality <laughs> it's, drama, it's not, is it? It's not. And it's not where I would typically go for my TV programmes. Yes. But it was getting rave reviews. It was looking at the early life of Elizabeth Tudor, Henry VIII's um, daughter, who then later became Queen Elizabeth I. Those early, early years, that, and a lot of people don't know about how she became queen or where she lived and who she lived with and some of the scandals that really plagued her teenage years. So I was really, really intrigued by all of this. Like I say, I was getting rave reviews. Had some really, you know, interesting British cast um some diverse casting as well that you don't get to see in Tudor dramas I I just thought oh this is this is great when's it coming out when's it coming out and then it just it just wasn't it just and on Twitter people were saying does anyone know what it's good does anyone know you know it's that thing a bit like with poker face I think that was coming out at the same time that people in America could see this stars show um, I was looking on Amazon Prime. It was meant to be coming out on Amazon Prime, but then it just wasn't. I was going to pay for it. But even, you know, I was going to, like, put some money behind it. Because an- another special interest of mine, aside from Les Dennis, is the uh, Henry VIII and his six wives. When I was a kid, I was really, really obsessed with the stories of the six wives of Henry VIII. Was. <laughs> well, you know what? As I've got older, my knowledge has really waned, but I still have quite a lot tucked away in my head. And we do have a lot of Henry VIII books in this house. Um, and signed copies as well from various... From Les Dennis. But not from Les Dennis. Les Dennis did not do the Tudors. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Maybe if you dressed up as Henry VIII, I'd be very happy. Um, so, what was I saying? Yeah, so... Anything Tudor related, I will watch and I will consume. And this I thought was really interesting because, like I say, you don't typically get a deep dive into the early life of, of, of Elizabeth Tudor. And all the others as well, because then you've got Mary, you've got Lady Jane Grey, and Edward VI. So you've got all of those players 
Sorry, Mark, Mark's got his hand in the air. Can I point yeah, out yeah, that, yeah, yeah. having lived with you for 10 years, I quite often get an insight into the early years of living with <laughs> yeah. I know, but I think the wider public, is it, they tend to just jump straight to, you know, like, like for example, the Kate Blanchett films, just kind of jump to the stage where she's she's older and she's about to become queen, and they don't go through this thing of, like, well, what really did happen when her father died? Immediately between that time and her becoming queen what were the, the scandals and the trauma and you know lots of things went on in that time huge shifts within the country and within the the politics of the country as well sorry i've gone on a rant haven't i anyway so stars put it out they didn't no one picked it up in in here in the uk until a few weeks ago when channel four just started showing it and i missed it i'd missed that it was on um and friend of the podcast chris um hello chris uh, was messaging me and saying that he was re- he'd watched a couple of episodes and really enjoying it um this is a really interesting look at the tudor court life and there's a couple of things with it the first thing is it's got a lot of sexual content which you don't tend to get with i'm putting my phone down now <laughs> with these sorts of period pieces apart from the Tudors, which was uh, Jonathan Reese, is it Jonathan Reese Myers. Myers, Jonathan Reed Myers, um, and Henry Cavill actually, um, a young Henry Cavill. When that came out, when the Tudors came out, that was very much meant. It was very se- you know, it's sexy. It was um, people taking bits of their clothes off, even in the 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 opening credits, and it was it it was set up as that. But really, it was just a bit titillating. This starts with. Henry VIII's final wife, Catherine Parr, having um, re- explicit, you know, it's not all coy, sex with her new beloved. And I was a bit taken aback by it because A, there was all this sexual content, but B, it was very realistically filmed. Hello, Mark, you have a hand in the air again. It's her new beloved, Anne Boleyn's brother. No. Shit, I you're, really wanted to impress oh, you. Oh, you're nearly there. It's Jane Seymour's brother, ah, Thomas Seymour. So you were so nearly oh. there. So you get five points, I think, for that. Out <laughs> of? Ten. Okay, that's like right. half a mark. That, yeah. yeah, yeah, that all right? So anyway, so you've got the, the, the sexual content, but also you've got this... It really reminds me, and I'm probably going to get shouted at for this by various people who love these things, but when they filmed Wolf Hall... This was a BBC production. When they filmed Wolf Hall, they did it with lots of natural light. They did it where you you were you were walking through these um, older buildings, and you could see that they hadn't set up big lighting rigs, or it wasn't smooth. It was almost a handheld camera, and that's how this feels. It almost feels like a companion piece to to Wolf Hall, which is one of the highest compliments that I can can pay it. I, I feel like I'm what I feel like what they've done is they've taken these characters from the past, they've put them in the present, but dressed up as of the time and in the houses they would have been in at the time. Do you know what I mean? Like, like I feel like you can run. touch them. <laughs> they feel really real and they speak in a way that feels real and there's a lot of swearing, which I'm not entirely sure would have happened. But anyway, there's a lot of effing and jeffing, there's a lot of sex it's also a really complicated story because some of the sexual content involves the young Elizabeth and other people and of course this is complicated because whilst it would have been deemed acceptable at the time for people of a younger age to be married even at, you know, sort of 12, 13, with our modern eyes, we can see that the people involved, we would today see them as predators. And therefore, I found it very uncomfortable to see those scenes played out as a romance or as something that um, was consented to, that, you know, that both parties were, um, were, were wanting that to occur. And... It's interesting to sort of grapple with that in your mind, and maybe that's what the TV show is asking asking us as a modern audience to go. Well, this at the time was seen like this, but now with our modern eyes, we would 
say that this person was was maybe was grooming or was a predator so th- there's been a lot for me to really sort of handle with with this program but i have absolutely loved it it is slow it really takes its time to take you through the minutiae of what was happening at that time but the people involved in it and a lot of them aren't well-known names there's a um a guy called i'm sure it's john heffernan or something that's heifer something or other at the, at the end he plays um the lord somerset the lord protector john heffernan. yeah yes. john heffernan he is just amazing he's just brilliant he it's the best portrayal and like i say Listen, I'm, honestly, I just roll my eyes when I hear myself, but I have seen a lot of portrayals of the Lord Somerset in my time, right? Haven't we all? Yeah, I've seen the 1970s versions of the Six Wives of Henry, the film. I, You know, when I was a kid and they said, um, in my English class, pick a film that you really love and do an analysis of it. I picked the Waris Hussein's The Six Wives of Henry VIII from the mid-1970s, while everyone else was picking, like, Forrest Gump or something and I analysed the costuming and the music and I should have done film studies um, that's how into this I was so I've seen all of these different versions and his portrayal of the Lord Somerset honestly it's just phenomenal and some of the sparring between the, the different characters again, there was a review of it in The Guardian when it first came out in Stars that, that compared it to Succession now, I do not think that is the case. But what they're trying to say is, this is a dark political intrigue. You're, there's twists and turns. And it's all, you know, our, our history. What I'm really sad about, because we've come to the end now of the, of, the, um, of the first season, is that there won't be a second. And it leaves you where, you know, you're about to get into Lady Jane Grey, where you're about to get into Mary the First, your Bloody Mary and um, Catholicism and Philip of Spain and, you know, working towards Elizabeth becoming queen. And I'm so sad for this production because you can see the work, the costuming, the design, the locations, the people. They have really put their all into it. You would never in a million years think this was a Stars production. You would think this was... And I think a lot of people have from looking at Twitter. You think this was a Channel Four or a BBC production? Yeah. I cannot recommend it enough, particularly to people who love this this era. Although you have to be prepared for the fact that it is very modern in its direction, and it does really challenge you in terms of, you know, how can someone of a you know thirteen fourteen be involved romantically in this you're cringing you but you so you know what i mean yeah that and it does really challenge you to and i think it's meant to i do think it's meant to um, uh, yes you know. yeah uh, uh, yeah i mean i hope so but yeah, yeah it's i mean uh, i'm not gonna watch this you're, I? you're not gonna watch it but you know what? <laughs> you're more likely to i've been just listening to the description <laughs> okay. i'll turn on the beginning <laughs> yeah, yeah i'll I give think it the you'd, first five minutes of um of uh episode one i think the rest i think you'd just be like oh, oh no don't think i want to say this but um, I I, it does have this political intrigue. I've sat through a lot of Tudor shit. You have. In my time. You have. But this, I think, take away the era, take away the fact that it's a period drama. What is really, you know, it's, re- it's got really interesting things to say about women in the time. It's got really interesting things to say about religion and reform and, you know, boy kings and people around him and courts and political intrigue i just think it's fantastic and like i say just wonderful to see that part of history portrayed i finished now i've stopped my my, my lecture on elizabeth can I ask a question of something that like that's not related to that but is a little bit <laughs> right come on then what film did kathy burke play mary the first so that's elizabeth from 1998 the shaker kapoor film okay right okay yeah because well, as you've been saying that, I've just had in my head Kathy Burke saying that's whore Anne Boleyn. Yes. Um, yeah. And yeah, I was trying to work out what it was. Yeah, she's yeah. she's right at the beginning of yeah, the, of, yeah. of that film. Um, also has um Lily and Alfie Allen in uh, in that, but I don't know if they're credited. So whenever something like on Pointless comes up, 
And Eric Cantona. And Eric, oh, I love Eric Cantona. And Angus yeah. Dayton. Yes, that's right. I've lived with you far too long. You have. <laughs> and you have, have listened to you do um, I Elizabeth love on Pointless. So yeah. much. I love it so much. Right, come on then, quick before I turn this into a Tudor podcast. I mean, I've literally done the fat three films in a time. Yeah, I know, I know. That. So I know, don't, I know. Don't, don't speed me up. I'm sorry. Yeah, just a quick one on the bear. Because The Bear is back for season two. We had to wait for it to all play out in America, which is really frustrating. And for anyone who doesn't come from Hull, that would be The Bear. That's so cruel. <laughs> but it's, whenever you say it, I think it's so sweet. The Bear. The Bear. The Bear. Season one was so good that I forgot to put it on my top ten list for TV last year. Oh, and you had to remind bear, me about did, it. Yeah. Um, probably my second best TV show of the last year. And I am halfway through season two. And I am having to ration myself on it so that I don't go through it as quickly. Is it all up? It's all up, yeah. It's dropped on a wanna. It is so good, this show. Um, Season one, I think it got a bit of a reputation, which probably put you off, that Mm. it was quite stressful watch. Yeah, 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 it did. I don't think it's any more stressful than, say, I think I've used this at the time when we talked about it, the episode of MasterChef where they go into a kitchen. Okay, so MasterChef, like the reality show, yeah, where these where real people go into a real kitchen. I find that very stressful. Yeah, but you watch it. I, I think yeah, I I I hate that to the point where I don't want to watch that episode mm-hmm. because I think they're letting people down and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I don't. And I don't it just gets very that. stressful because yeah. nobody really knows what they're doing because they're not professional chefs. Mm. Right. Okay. Carry on. Season one ends in a way which I won't go into because I think if you are not watching the bear. Seriously, it's on Disney Plus. Get into this because I'd, I'd really recommend this for you because I think you would really enjoy this. Um, season two, they are ripping apart their business strategy and trying to go with a new style of restaurant uh, for whatever reason. And I think the difference in this is, I think I'm used to in TV shows, things like Breaking Bad, for example, where people start working together and then gradually drift apart. In this, the second season, people are working together more. Like, people are less angry at each other. Um, this, is, this is a TV show absolutely built on the characters and the relationships between them. Um, in some ways, like in the same way that Succession is, and I'd, I'd put this close to Succession in how good this TV show is. Wow, that is high praise. Everyone is has a really interesting story, and you, like, you scratch the surface of them, and you can see the the flaws underneath. This is such a beautiful TV show. It's it's so easy to watch. It's half an hour episodes. And the... I am just getting into... Like, I've had some of the... Some of the special guests that appear in this. Uh, I've had some of them spoiled to me. But then I saw an episode where a character goes to Denmark to train in a pastry chef. And, oh, look, there's a Hollywood star just um, making a guest appearance as the chef that's teaching him. This has got so much goodwill for me. This is going to be fighting with Succession as my favourite show of the year, so long as it can stick the land in. I don't believe... I believe they will be coming back for a season three. I've not had anything to say otherwise, and I really hope so, because this is one of the best shows on TV. Please watch it. And I and I know that there is nothing I can tell you that will make you watch something less than please watch this. Yeah. Well, you know what? The other night, I can't remember when it was, but the other night you were watching what I presume was the bear because there were people in a kitchen talking about the strategy for a new business. And I was sitting on the sofa with you faffing on with something else. And I started to sort of find myself looking up and sort of, not really understanding what was going on Mm. but the way I think the way the people talk to each other and the acting that felt very realistic and human yeah and the way it was directed must have caught my eye I think that I was just sort of looked at oh that's a bit that's a bit different it doesn't look contrived it doesn't look glossy yeah it looks very there was something there was a realism about it that made me put my head up probably for my laptop, I think, and what like watch along with you. Yes. So that is probably the easiest way of getting me into something in that you've got to kind of get it in front of me without me realising. It's a bit like, you know, when kids won't eat their vegetables 
So you mash them all up and you put them in the pasta sauce. <laughs> I feel similar things need to happen with me with things because if so, you're totally right. The more you tell me and the more I hear on other podcasts how brilliant the show is, the more I dig my heels in and go, well, I'm just not going to watch that. Yeah, what's that about? I have no idea. <laughs> hey, let's not go into that. Um, let's not scratch that. Let's not, let's not scratch that service. So the fact that I watched a bit of it and I actually, I did think, oh, if I've got a, like a day off or something or a morning where I've you know not got appointments or things like that, I might just, because they're only half an hour, aren't they? yeah. I could give one half an hour and then if it wasn't for me, because sometimes these things, I know some people have watched Succession mm. and said, yeah, not for me, which, you know, I find like, oh my God, how? But we all have different tastes. If it's not for me, then at least I can say I've given it a go. Yeah. But I suspect what I'll find, you'll, you'll come home and I'll have been sat on the sofa and you'll have with taken a, me. a big bar of dairy milk just watching this. Am I going to come back from London and find that you've... Uh... <laughs> well, funnily enough, I know I am... In, the, the weirdest thing is, I'm not going to have, you know, the opportunity to do uh, all of these things because I'm going to be incredibly busy. Are you telling me that when I'm away, you don't just sit by the door waiting no. for me to come back like a, I, like a you dog? You know what? The funniest thing is, the, the time you're away is the busiest time I have, like, properly ever... I am out and about and doing all sorts. I'm seeing lots of different people and, yeah, so, yeah. Um, I'm going to be keeping myself busy, darling. It's all right. You You go and watch the wrestling. I have a very, very busy social life here. Sad times. Right. Well, yeah. I think we've we've. Oh, we've done well actually, because I was really worried that we would just chat on because it's been a while since we've done a podcast and. Yes. What? Why are you laughing? I don't know because I can't even see. You what can't the, even. Can't... Were you having a look? To I was say? having a look to see how long it was. On, it's under an hour. Look. I haven't got my glasses on, so I can't see either. That's really good podcasting. They're literally on your head. They're on my head. I know. I know. Anyway, <laughs> let's just pretend that yeah. it's under an hour yeah. and that we've done really well. Thanks very much for listening, everyone. Uh, we really do appreciate it. If you don't follow us already on social media, you can find us at The Honeymoon Pod on Instagram. And we're still on Twitter, even though my thoughts on that are that every day I'm closer and closer for ripping us off it. Um, yeah, yeah. But we're on at the moment. X. Yeah, no, see, I'm not even, I haven't even... I haven't even said like or referred to it as that. Even like, oh, is it still called Twitter? I'm just, I'm just calling it. I'm just not going down that route. If you'd like to leave us a review, you can do so at Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to leave us a star rating, you can leave it on Spotify and on Pocket Cast. I haven't left us a star rating on Spotify, Pocket Pocket Cast yet, but I might do. I have. <laughs> yeah, because I, I, I don't normally use Spotify for uh, for my podcast, but I went past the other day and went. I'll just, uh, I'll actually, I'm going to give myself a number and they were like, yeah, you've already done that, dickhead. <laughs> and Pocket Cast, I only noticed that the other day that there were like star ratings against the podcasts I listened to. I was like, ooh. That's great. I mean, we did mention it did last, we? a couple of weeks right, ago. Right, yeah. that's good. Right. But yeah, you've only just noticed. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's how much I listen when you, when you chat on. Thanks very much, everyone. Thanks, um, guys. We'll be back soon. See you later.